Anyway, welcome. Good evening to you. Thank you for being here, and uh, I feel like leaning this way a little bit. Everybody's sitting over here tonight, so amen. I love y'all too. <laughs> welcome everybody that's watching online, and we just praise God for you, and I want to jump right in uh, tonight. We're going to be talking about, um, I don't know if this is a, um, the official title, but just talking about in Him, uh, being in Jesus and in God. And uh, let's go ahead and turn to Psalms 127 and verse 1. And Lord, we just praise you. We thank you. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for everything that you are bringing to us. Lord, we thank you for wisdom and revelation. And today, Lord, you are bringing it about in us. And Lord, we just receive that. We open up our hearts to it. We humbly open our hearts to receive the seed of the word and we receive it right now and just just say it with me just say father i receive your word right now in jesus name amen amen so uh last week we talked about rest and gifts in our sleep and uh, did anybody sleep better this week besides me i definitely did did you receive things did anybody wake up and stuff was uh, solved anybody have any testimonies of that you did? Or you just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I, amen. Good. Good. Praise God. Well, we have, um, I know I did. I woke up and I just, things seemed to be working, you know, <laughs> and, and that in itself is a testimony because it doesn't always happen like that. But uh, I just, I can tell you, I've, I feel like I've had more sleep and restful, peaceful sleep, not more hours, but just really received rest physically more this week than I have in probably months, simply because we paid attention to God's promise and put it into effect. And so even if you don't feel like you've gotten everything out of it, that's when you continue to go back to it. Go listen to that message again. Put your faith on it again and receive all that God has for you. Amen? Amen. Good. Yes, it is. It's sweet. Well, and the verses that we were talking about is this. It's interesting because I wasn't sure what to talk about tonight. And uh, this afternoon, I was just seeking the Lord. And, and I believe that very shortly, we're going to be talking about the three-part man again. Um, it seems like it was just a few months ago, but it's been over two years. And uh, so I was... That was yeah, see what I mean? <laughs> because I was already thinking about the three-part man because the Holy Spirit was bringing it up to me. And then Chris asked me a question about it. And I went to go try and find it and couldn't find it. And then Barrett asked me a question about it and I couldn't find it. So we're probably going to end up talking about that again before long because it's important to renew that and know, uh, know who we are and how this actually works, how it flows and functions. And, uh, but I was thinking about even starting it tonight, but it just, something wasn't, it wasn't exactly right. And just felt like the Lord said, just take a time out, you know, just rest, just relax in me. And in that process, he dropped this in me and, uh, it was very interesting how he did that, but it actually came in rest. I, I had stuff to do and I said, you know what? And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, rest, rest. And so I laid down on the couch while Luke was asleep and I took a nap and the truth of the matter was, in the middle of that, the, the Holy Spirit dropped this whole message in me while I was sleeping. So I definitely have a testimony of it. And I woke up, I was quoting it, 
I was quoting a particular verse that we're going to hit tonight over and over and over and over, and I've never preached on that verse as far as I know. It's just one that, man, the Holy Spirit had me uh, dwelling on it even in my sleep, and so I'm excited to give this to you tonight. So um, anyway, we were talking about here, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. They're in vanity. They're in pride. If God's not with them, if we're not turning over our life to God, if we're not turning over our life to Him, we're in vanity. We're in pride. And we shouldn't think that it's going to be built or protected in the right way. We shouldn't even think that. Why? Because we're not putting it in God's hands. So this is what we were talking about last week. And then verse 2 was the main verse. It says, it's vain for you or it's prideful for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now, if you saw this in uh, you know, in a printed Bible, not just on our screens here. The words there that says, even in his sleep, those are in italics. Uh, so that means that they should be able to be taken out or placed in. They're put in for context, but they weren't in the original. But they're put in for context for a reason. So a lot of times they do bear some weight. So he gives to you even in your sleep. But you can also take out that even in his and you should have uh, the same promise. And it says, he gives to his beloved sleep. Right? He gives to the people that he loves sleep. So we can look at it both ways and receive from God that. Well, what did we talk about last week that it takes for us to receive these promises even in our sleep? And it's not just in our sleep, but it's the whole of our life needs to come back to the place where we are resting in him. Where we're resting in him. Okay? So... Let's jump over to Mark and chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower. And uh, in verse 2 it says this, And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this, Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into good soil, and as they grew up it and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Now, in um, in the increase series, we kind of proved that God wants us to increase. Okay, we we proved that, and here again, which one is the good example? It's the last one where it says they grew up. And increase. So again, you see God's will in our lives saying, hey, I want you to grow up. I want you to increase. But there's a way to do it, and there's 
three ways listed here not to do it. And then they said, what does this mean? We don't know what it means. And then let's go down to Mark uh, chapter, uh, or Mark 4, same chapter, but down at verse 13. And he says, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. You know, we we had a uh, we had a statement that I said recently is why do we come to church if you are not actually being transformed if you're just listening but not actually changing then it's somewhat pointless it does help you better than not coming actually it will grow but it's somewhat pointless for you to come in here and not be transformed in other words when you come there's somebody right you know like tonight I'm preaching I am sowing the word to you through me the Lord is giving you that word so the the point is is it bearing fruit is it bringing about change is it bringing about something that is produced in my life, or are we just letting it hit hard ground of our heart? See, we can sit here all day long and hear good word and hear good preaching. We can amen it. We can do all kinds of good stuff, you know. But it's like what we were talking about Sunday. If we don't allow it to change our want, if we don't allow it to change us, transform us, renew our minds to it, and actually bring up some fruit. In other words, there ought to be some fruit. If there ought to be some change, there ought to be something you can see. In other words, you shouldn't go to church for 20 years and somebody that knew you 20 years ago come back to you and say, well, you hadn't changed at all. And they're not just talking about your looks. They're talking about how you act and think. There are, you ought, they ought not to even hardly be able to recognize you because you've allowed so much change, so much fruit in your life. You've opened up. You haven't hardened your heart. You've opened up your heart and allowed it to be a fertile place for the seed of the word to hit you. So he says, do you, verse 13, uh, verse 14, excuse me, says, the sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So a lot of times what happens is we don't even get out that door before we start arguing again, before we start having uh, you know, the pressures and the temptations of the, to go right back and almost completely forget everything that we've heard. You know? I, I've preached several messages on the, you know, I've, I've preached several messages over the years on just you know what we say is important, and every idle word is going to be accounted for. That kind of stuff, and, and we didn't even make it to the door. And somebody on the way out is like, "Man, this weather's going to kill me this week, ain't it?" You know, or something crazy like that. And I'm like, "Yeah, did, did, wait a minute." It's like I just, I just, just, just preached that. You know, like where were you listening? And no. No, they even heard it. They probably amen me. I've had somebody amen me and still do it. And yet still, they, they didn't get to that door. Nothing changed. There was no thought on it. And before they got out the door, the devil went, I'll take that word. I'll take that seed. And they let them. Because they didn't come at it with an expectant and fertile heart. So we can't... We can't we can't do that. That's not good. Not good. Amen. 
So it says, in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So in other words, man, they're happy to be at church. They heard the word. They're good. They make it out the door. Amen. <laughs> they make it through the door. And they still have the seed, right? And, and they even try to plant the seed. But it, it, a lot of times it's that afternoon. It's the next morning at work. And all their friends standing around. They're cussing up a storm. Talking about what they did over the weekend. And they're like, yeah, I want to do that too. You know, that'd be nice. And they start thinking about that. And there goes the seed. And it's like, they made it out the door, so that's good. Check one. That's, hey, good job. Amen. They made it almost into the week, <laughs> and, but then it was stolen. Then it was stolen. And so the effect is the same. The effect is the same. There's nothing there. And I would say all of us have been at that place at some point. And then... We'll read this one. And the others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. This one, I don't know what it is about this example, but me personally, this one, like, wants to eat my lunch all the time. This one is the one that really hurt, almost hurts my heart. Uh, because this is the one I think where most good-intentioned Christians miss it and lose out on what God really has for them is right here. This is the one. Seen was sown among the thorns. These are the ones, like even reading it, like my heart's hurting because I know how often this happens. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So I want to come back to this example, but we'll read the last example first. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's where we want to be. We have a fertile heart. We're ready. We're expectant to receive the word. Um, we listen and let it change us. We don't, we're not affected by our friends, and, and we're not, we, we have produced inside of us a depth of soil. You know, we haven't just stayed at the same place. We've produced a place where that seed can grow some roots so that it doesn't just dry up immediately. There's, there's some fertile soil, a depth of it. In other words, we haven't just stayed, we haven't just gone to church. We've allowed that word to start moving in us and changing us and the depth of our soil has grown so now it doesn't just burn up but then even those people that have allowed a depth of soil they they haven't allowed the cares of the world to choke it but they've they've pushed the cares of the world the let me put it this way the thoughts of the world away and now they can receive a harvest not only can they receive a personal harvest in their life, but they are producing the fruit that they're able to say, hey, here you go. Here's some good fruit. Here's some good fruit. Here's some good fruit. They're able to pass it out because they're multiplying. You know? So 
But let's go back to that third example. The one sown among the thorns and the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I would say that the best, an average of the best Christians in the American church today, the best ones, an average of them, are probably operating in this third example probably 50 to 75% of their life. And I'm talking about the best Christians in general. So I, what I want you to get out of that is, I'm probably talking about you. <laughs> that was a roundabout way for me to make it real to you, okay? <laughs> now I'm not veiling it, but and, and me too. There's stuff that we're doing that is choking out the word. It's choking out the seed. It's choking out your fruit. And your fruit is what you want to get to heaven and say, Jesus, I've had good fruit. I've had good fruit. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's not your intentions. I've had good intentions. Well, whoop-de-doo, what did that do me? Child? No, it's not, well, I had good intentions. I tried to do it. Woohoo! Yeah, so did most of the world. Yeah, a lot of people that aren't born again, they have good intentions. They're not evil. So you've ranked with the rest of the world. Congratulations. Golf clap. See, that's not what we want. That's not what we want. We want fruit. We want production. We want fruit that remains. So that means we've got to attack these areas in our lives that line up with the world's ways. We've got to look, you know, talking, we'll probably talk more about this, but the system of mammon, you know, you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon, a lot of people relate it to money, and it is related to money, but it's more than that. It's the world's way of doing things. It's the world's system. And what I want to talk to you about that particular area in that system is inside of us, the thing that makes us go and not rest. The thing that pushes, 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 drives us, drives us. And a lot of it's tied back to this right here. The worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. And we have this stuff that we've been taught all of our life. You want to go do, you want to go have. And, and unbeknownst to us, sometimes we know it, sometimes we don't. But most of the time we don't realize just how much what we have been taught is pushing us into the thorns that chokes out the fruit. It's pushing us out of the place of rest, like what we were talking about last week, and pushing us into a striving for ungodly things, a striving in the world's ways. So this is what I want you to see. Right as I, right as I was taking that nap today and, you know, See, here's the thing. How many people, when I said I took a nap today, went, oh, that's real nice. You get to take a nap. How many people did that? Right. And how many people didn't want to tell me that they did that? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, Jeff. So here's the thing. Why do we think, 
Why do we think that way? Well, I'd like to have that. Well, why don't you have that? Well, part of it's a covetousness. Part of it's because we don't take it. I, did I have stuff to do? Oh, 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 I got plenty to do. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I got plenty to do. But we've got to get to the place where we understand rest even more than the stuff that we have to do. The list. We've got to understand the ways of God. And rest is a ways of God. And I'm not just talking about taking a nap. But even when I said that, you had something on the inside of you probably because the American society has taught us to think this way. Where when I said I took a nap, you went, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know that I like that. Maybe you're covetous. Maybe it's just, well, you should be working harder. And what you're really mad at is because you couldn't have one. Now, here's the other thing, and, and, and I'm not trying to just be funny. It is funny, but I'm not just trying. I'm trying to prove a point that we've gotten as a society so much to a place that we don't know how to rest, that we look at it with, with anger and disgust when we hear about somebody. I wasn't even planning on using this example, but it's a, it's a good one. And so all of a sudden there's something built into us. I remember, I've joked about it last week that says we do things the old-fashioned way. We earn it, right? And if you're not earning it, well, you don't deserve that. <laughs> By God. You know, that's the, way, that's the way that we have been taught to think. And yet, that is 100% opposite of God's ways. Now, that's not saying that you shouldn't work hard. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you've got to learn how to find a place of rest. Yeah. And right as, I, right as I fell asleep, right as I was getting ready to fall asleep, and you've got to think, okay, where, think about this. What am I doing at this moment? I have no idea what we're doing tonight at church. I, and so what would you say I should do if I don't know what to do for church? What would you say I should do? I should pray. Should I go to sleep or should I get on my knees and better hammer it out, right? I better get in the Word and find something by God, right? Better bring something. We're paying you to bring some Word, doggone it, Mr. Pastor Man, right? You better be praying. That's exactly what we don't understand about rest. When I said, Lord... What do you want me to do? And he said, go rest. He gave me the empowerment to get what I need. And as I went and rested and was obedient to what he said because I was willing to listen to get into his system, and not, that's when he dropped the whole message in my lap. And as I was going to sleep, he gave me this, this vision. It was like, um, I, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision because I was like right in between that place. And uh, here's what I saw. I saw a surfer on the ocean. And I saw the waves. And I saw him riding the wave. And, and the Holy Spirit said, how silly. The, when a surfer rides a wave, I mean, he can pick up some decent speed, especially some of these big waves, you know. He said, how silly would it be for a surfer to try to produce the same speed by working and paddling the whole time? In other words, what if he never jumped up on his 
board and rode the flow of the water? What if he tried to produce the same high, the same all by his own power? And I went, oh my goodness. See, that's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to ride the waves. And, we, and even when we, when we finally build up our, our striving and our working so much that we're just, we're really fast, man. And we can go as fast as the surfers go. And we, we're like, look, I beat you down the wave. I went further than you did. And, and we're sweating. And they're enjoying the wave. And we look at them and we're mad at them because they didn't work hard enough to do what you did. We've, we look at it from a pride and a vanity standpoint saying, look how well I learned how to work. But the surfer can look back and say, look how well I learned how to ride. Right. Let me say it this way. Look how well I learned to flow with the Spirit of God. And this, in that same instant, here's the thing. All the power for that surfer to ride the flow was all built into the wave. It was already there. It's pre-built in. All he had to do was recognize the time. Recognize, hear the timing. See the timing and be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And all of a sudden he can rest and enjoy the wave. Now, I'm not a surfer. I'm sure there's a whole lot more parallels on it. And if there's a surfer out there watching this, please send me some stuff. But uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I can see that. All of the power was already built into the wave. He just had to get in the flow of what God was doing. Well, we need to do that in our lives. All the power is built into the wave and the life in abundance through Jesus Christ. We need to find our rest and find our place and find our flow with the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered by it. Instead, what we're doing is we are fighting the flow. It's good, isn't it? All that came while I was falling asleep. I had a great nap. And this is what I ended up saying. Let's turn to Acts 17. I just, how many people got something out of that analogy? Mm -hmm. I want you to meditate. I've been meditating on it all afternoon and I'm going, oh my goodness. Think about it. All the power in that water, in that, uh, it was there the whole time. It was just learning the ways of God and learning how to be in the right place at the right time simply to allow his power in the flow of what he's doing to push them and propel them directly where they need to be. To do everything they need to do. And now, are they burnt out by the time? I mean, how many, how many waves can this guy go? You know, the one that's flapping so hard. I mean, he's got two or three in him. He's done. The other one, he can surf all day. Let me put it this way. This guy, this is a heavy load and a burden. The other one is easy and light. Amen. Acts 17. Verse 22. It says this. So what was going on is Paul's in this area and um, he's 
running into some people that are religious, just not for God. And then he starts to talk to them, and he says that he went and he was reading some of their ways and some of their customs. And verse 22 says, So Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus, amen, Areopagus, that's it, and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Because one of the things that they had said is like, Paul, you're saying some weird stuff to us. We don't, you know, you're, uh, we're not sure we're not just going to like kill you the next time you show up. But, you know, so you, you need to come up with something. That's, that's kind of what was happening. And he, then he says this in verse 24. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. All right. Okay. Time out. He's not made in temples, our bodies, which are made, our house, our life, which is made by fleshly means, of fleshly ways. In other words, when we start trying to strive and work and do everything outside of God's ways, it's not going to work. He doesn't dwell in places that aren't moved by the Spirit and the flow of the Spirit. The guy who goes down and he paddles and he, he goes so fast because he learned how to build up big muscles and strive for it, is that's not where God lives. He lives in the place where they've learned how to rest in God and pick up on the flow of the Holy Spirit and moving in faith and moving in spiritual things. Let me read that scripture again with that thought in mind. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Is your life made by the cares of the world? Is your life made by the wisdom and the logic of the world? But you want God to come up and take up residence inside of you? This is not the place where he takes up residence. He takes up residence in the ones that learn how to flow by his Holy Spirit, to move in his ways. The ones that understand that there's already a power in these waves that will do everything I need to do. There's already a power in God that will do everything I need to do. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. In other words, all your hard work, it means nothing to God if you're not moving by the flow of the Holy Spirit. It means nothing if you're not moving in his ways. We can, we can go to church all our lives and still not serve him. That's a reality. A sobering reality. As though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. All things you have, they're from him. He's the life giver. He's the one. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. It, he's just, now, now he's almost like just messing with him. He's like, he made all this out of one man. He made all y'all out of one man. 
It's like, he can do whatever he wants to do. Recognize who he is. Realize who he is. And get in his plan. Get out of your plan. Get out of your plan that the world has taught you to do that chokes up the fruit and chokes up the production because they've taught you really well how to, how to strive for things. They've taught you really well how to be choked out, have the life choked out of you because of the cares and the worries of this world. Well, if I don't do this, we're just not going to eat this week. If I don't go out there and do all this stuff, that's not a reason to move. We're talking about the who, what, when, where, why, and how. The why is not right. That's not a reason to do that. The why has got to be because I love God. And I've got to make my want. I love God. Lord, my want needs to line up with your want. But when we're saying, if I don't, if I don't get out there and do everything, and I don't strive for it, I can't eat. And that is true that you need to go and you need to provide for your family. That's biblical. But the way, the heart with which we do it, the plans with which we make, the, the fear or not fear that keeps us awake at night trying to figure out everything that needs to be done, that comes back to, are you truly resting in God or not? That comes back to, God doesn't need you to give you life. He just needs for you to get in His flow. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. That they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him. That means to search for him. They might search for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You see, that, that surfer that hasn't learned how to use the power that's already built into the wave it's been there the whole time. They were right on top of it, floating in it, swimming in it. Yeah. He's not far from any of us. It's just a matter of, am I going to get on board with the system that God has put in place, with His ways? Or am I going to continue to strive all my life? He's not far from each one of us. And this is the verse. For in Him... We live and move and exist. In Him, we live and move and exist. How can you expect to have any promise of God whatsoever if you're not moving in Him? In Him, we live and have life in abundance. In Him, we move and are moved. In Him we exist. Uh, will you put up the King James of that verse please? In Him we live and move and have our being. We become. In the King James it says have our being. We become in Him. We live and live in abundance in Him. In Him, we are moved. In Him, we become what we are called to be. 
You see, it's in, it's in that wave where all the power is, all the power needed to do and produce that fruit. It was in that wave the whole time. In that wave was the life, the exhilaration, the, you know, that, that awesome moment when you finally hit it right and you start riding that wave and you're not putting out any, any effort except to steer and keep your balance, but you're, you're even receiving that flow from God. You're flowing with it. In Him, we live. In Him, we move and we are moved we are empowered we are emboldened he shows us where to go and we're not to see a server if they will follow the lines of that wave they can ride that thing for a long ways. if they try to fight that wave that's when they get eat, eaten up but if they'll follow what's naturally there in him we live and we move we're moved by Him. We allow Him, His flow, to show us the way, to show us where to go, what to do. Then all of a sudden, we're not choked out. The life is not choked out. The fruit is not choked out because we're not finding the cares of the world. We're simply concerned about Him. And we find our being. This, this was running through me. That I woke up saying this. In Him, we live and move and have our being in him we live and move and have our being in him we live and move and have our being in him in him in him in him in him in christ in god in his heart in his spirit we live in him we move in him we have our being in him In Him. Anytime we step out of in Him, we immediately step into the place where the seed of the Word is choked and produces nothing. And remember, I would say that we do this probably 50 to 75% of the time without even knowing it. So we need to focus on being in Him. And I want you to look at that, those three things. In Him we live any time God talks about living, is he talking about just breathing? No, he's talking about life and life in abundance. Your life in abundance is in him, in flowing with him, in flowing with him. Not just recognizing that life's in him, but flowing, being transformed by him, being moved by him. In him we live, we find our flow, we find His ways, we find His promises. In Him is life and life in abundance manifested. In Him we move. We are moved by Him. We are placed, you know, if we'll follow the flow of the Holy Spirit, He'll put us just in the right place at the right time for grace to meet up with us. In Him we live and we move. I would say not only does He move us, but we're empowered by Him. We're moved by His power. We're moved by His compassion. We're moved by His love. Every answer that we need, it's in Him. And we find our being. I, I clearly believe this is, is a is a uh, connection back to where he said, light be. 
Back to where he said, because it literally is a word off of this, where he said, I am that I am. How many of you have prayed over your life and you said, you know, healing, be, finances, be, or anything in your life that needs to be, right? A resurrection, your restoration, protection, be in him. We live and move and find our being. In Him, every manifestation that you need, it's in Him. Are you fighting the wave of God or are you flowing with it? Are you moving by the Holy Spirit or are you fighting by the ways of the world? The ways that they've taught you or are you finding, hey, everything I need is in Him. Look, my entertainment even is in Him. Everything is in Him. He goes on to say this, being then, or he says, for in him we live and move and find our being where he exists, as, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. In other words, we shouldn't think that the flow of God is going to work like we thought it was. Like the world has taught us this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be different from your way of thinking. It's going to be outside of a physical mindset. It's going to be in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And it's not God's job to line up with you and your thinking. It's our job to line up with the flow of His Spirit. It's our job to change who we are so that we catch that wave. Because I don't care what you do, that surfer is not going to be able to change that wave. You're not going to be able to change the God who created that wave. You're not going to find him bending to your will, your corrupted will. But you will find that when you will give yourself as a living and holy sacrifice, ready to be transformed, to find the flow of who he is, in him you will live and be moved and find your being. In him, we ought not think that the divine nature, that God is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, should turn should change. In other words, in the areas in your life where the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's not my ways. That's your thinking. That's the way the world has taught you to think. As soon as we recognize that, we got to go to those areas and say, oh Lord, I repent. I change. I, I, I need to get in your way. I need to get in your flow. Let me change that. And let me not wait to change that. Because why would I wait to change something that's going to be so great to me? Be so generous to me. Where I will find my living, my being, and find that I am moved and empowered by you. Why would I wait for that? Because the world has taught you that it doesn't work like that. That you've got to earn it. That you've got to do it a certain way. And if you don't do it a certain way, 
then it's just not right. You better get on your hands and knees and you better pray and search the scriptures and do everything else. And all that stuff's good. And when the Holy Spirit moves you in the flow of that, you should do that. But you should be listening to him to know that his flow is going to be different from the way that you've been taught. And what you need is not to move in the way that you've been taught, but to move in his way. Lord, what do you want me to do? What would you have me to do? Verse 31 Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. In other words, all this stuff that I'm telling you, it was proved when Jesus came back to life. There's a whole other way of doing things. There's a whole other side. A whole other plan that God has. And his works. And when we find that we are outside of his ways and outside of his plan, immediately we should shift our thinking and shift our actions and get in him so that we can live and move and have our being. To follow the flow of God, not the flow of the logic of man. The flow of God. And in him, We will be like that surfer who rides through life and enjoys life. And they can even see some monster waves, but they even learn that the waves are not their enemy. Their waves are just going to empower them to the grace of where God is leading them. They they won't be troubled by situations and hardships. They'll just see that they're getting ready to go faster. They'll just see that they're going to have more fun. It's even going to be more enjoyable. So even then, what looks like tragedy and hardships become almost fun to them because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. In him, though, praise God, in him we will live and have life in abundance. We will move. He will move us in his place. He will empower us to be who he's created us to be. And in him, we will become everything we need to become. And the things that need to be manifested will be made manifest. The things that we've been needing all of our life, they'll start to come. We'll start to find they're right in my path. We'll start to find it, you know, it's like like a... special level on a video game where all of a sudden all the extra coins are right in the way it's like yay i get to pick up all this extra stuff like praise god it's awesome but life will be like that life will be like that where you just start racking up the goodness of god and it's because you learned how to flow in him it doesn't mean that you won't face some nasty looking waves it's just that you will use what's already there and flow in the flow of the Holy Spirit and let him lead you. Let him transform your way of thinking so that you enjoy the ride. And then you'll be able to teach other people how they also can be in him and be moved by him and come into their own being by him. It starts with us repenting Lord, you know, we've missed it. We've let the world and its ways, the system of mammon, we let all that stuff come against us and choke us out. 
So many times we've been tired and frustrated. We're not resting. We're not having fun. We're not doing anything because we kept on trying to do it outside of him. Outside of his ways. Outside of his flow. We've got to be willing to change our flow to his flow. Otherwise, it's never, never going to work for you without doing that. It begins with repenting, which means not only just saying, Lord, hey, I confess, I missed it. I've been missing it this whole time. But it also means I will not miss it again in Jesus' name. I will turn and go in the right direction, and I will never turn back. I will never fight that wave again. I will never fight the flow of your spirit. In you, I will live in Jesus' name. I will move and be moved, and I will have my being. In Jesus' name. So right now, just let's just bow our head. And if, if that repentance is you, if it's just, you know, hey, you know, that's been me. I've been flowing in the ways of the world. I have been not doing this right. I need to change my flow. I need to find the power of God again. I need to find my life in Him. In Him. And, and it would be good, you know, I, I would say right now, just keep your heads bowed, I would say right now, we don't have full revelation of that verse. Generally, when the Lord has me repeat verses like that over and over and over again, uh, that means there's more in there, and we had not even begun to get all the goody out of it yet. In Him, we live and move and have our being. Father, in you we live and move and have our being. And we repent. We, we change direction. We turn around. We go the other way. And we find our flow in you. Find our flow in the Holy Spirit. We flow with you. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we receive your promise. We will live and live in abundance. We will move and be moved by you, by your power. And we will have our being. Things will manifest in our life. Your promises will manifest in our life. And we will become what you have called us to become in you. We live and move and have our being. Father, we praise you for that tonight. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word and your promise. Lord, I just declare right now, life in you. In you, Lord, I declare these things. In you, life be in Jesus' name. The power of God move in Jesus' name. And things now become. The things of God become. Restoration happen. Protection be provision be in these lives that are here in this health and life be in Jesus name and now anyone that does not know you let salvation come and be presented in the name of Jesus Lord we receive in you we live and move and have our being in Jesus name Amen